Hello and welcome back to another episode of Season 3 of Behind the Desk with me, Mark Thomas, the podcast where I meet some of the leading figures in the insurance and insurtech space, bringing you insights into their views and opinions on the sector, their career journeys, as well as a deeper look into the actual person behind the desk. Today I bring you episode three of this season and another brilliant guest in Karen McDonough-Reynolds, Chief Transformation Officer at Velenetic. Karen is leading arguably the most groundbreaking and pivotal transformation initiatives in the insurance sector ever right now in her role delivering Blueprint 2 at Velenetic, previously known as the Lloyds Joint Venture. But she didn't start life in insurance. She actually started life in a not-for-profit. And in this episode, she shares her journey of how she actually got into insurance, how different it looked both culturally and from a technology perspective, her evolution from an ops leader to a major transformation figure in one of the most high-profile roles in the UK insurance sector right now. Karen has not only been named in the CIO Top 100 twice, but has led some of the most groundbreaking technology modernization initiatives across some of the biggest names in the sector at the same time. Most importantly, she has a brilliant personality with an infectious nature and is the kind of person you could talk to for absolutely hours about this, and I very nearly did so. She offers some brilliant advice and gives some some views on on where the, the next few years are headed for the London market, uh, how Blueprint 2 will affect it, and a whole load more. So without further delay, sit back, relax, and let's get behind the desk with Karen McDonough-Reynolds. Karen, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. How are you today? Yeah, yeah, I'm really good. I'm really good. Well, like I always say to everyone, I, I always pre-record a, an intro, but uh, I, I don't think I ever do anyone really justice. So if you could introduce yourself to, to the, the, the listeners and uh, tell us who you are and um, where you're working, that kind of thing, then we'll, we'll go from there. Cool. So I'm Karen McDonough-Reynolds. I am the Transformation Director at Bellanetic. We are a joint venture that is the IUA, uh, Lloyds of London and DXC Technologies. Most of the people in the London market will very much know us as well as other people from global markets and we're there to supply. We do a lot of the middle and to back office. We are about to go through a massive transformation as a company but also the London market. Many people will know about Blueprint 2 and we are the the technology and the process element of Blueprint 2. Brilliant. So uh, how do you pronounce it? I've seen it I've seen it online. So what's the new company? The next, it's, a, it's a fairly new name, is it? Yeah, Velenetic. So Velenetic. we are uh, speed and energy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, come and visit us on Gallery 4 of the Lloyds building. Our, um, it's open to everyone. Um, as you come, if you have Lloyds access, you go up to the fourth as far as you can on the uh, escalators and we don't we have a reception but we don't have any doors that anyone can come in and we have an area that they can look around or contact your contact within us and we'll do you a guided tour beautiful space beautiful beautiful space amazing well look we're definitely getting to that um a bit more i'm really interested to to hear a bit more about that i've certainly seen lots in the in the press in in uh in in recent months so uh, it'd be really good to get into that and, and and your role within it um the the i always like to start the podcast the same way and go right back to the start so tell us uh, a little bit about how you first my my thing is 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 that i always like to know when people first got interested in kind of technology and then how that evolved into kind of insurance so take us right back to the start was it was it a, a an education thing or post education what what did that look like I'm going to age myself. It was a spectrum, <laughs> along, which you probably haven't heard of. So I was oh, you, you're not the first guest to say it. That, 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 that's a common theme on this podcast. Yeah. I had uh, that, and then I was given a PC to do my GCSEs on, but my printer was a massive dot matrix printer. There is one picture of me with it, which I will never share with anyone because I had a very dodgy 90s perm. And then I went to university and studied industrial information technology, which was a strange mix then, but very engineering based. But look at how technology was changing that engineering um, element. So programming of massive machinery to make drill bits and all random things like that, um, and lots of programming. And then from there, I went to a grad scheme, a charity. So for the first half of my career, I was not-for-profit, which is quite interesting because if you're not-for-profit, 
if I look back now at the technology that we put in, I was at three main non-for-profits, we were bleeding edge. We were bleeding edge because a lot of the big tech companies need someone to trial this, all this new technology. The big companies won't do that. They can't take the risk. Where charities or non-profits don't have the money to do this technology, so they're normally going, yeah, okay then. So IP telephony, when I I remember the first time we put that in, um, nobody had ever heard of it. None of my friends had worked in all the big the big companies. No, we're not doing that. Who would be that mad to change technology face like this? But Cisco gave us a very, very, very good deal, as in we paid next to nothing for it, but then we were a global non-profit, so then we, they could use us and we did lots of, we stood up at conferences and everything like that for them. So you sort of pay for it with human resources. So yes, that was really interesting. And then I got approached by Aviva 12 years ago, 12, yeah, 12 years ago, to come and chat to them. And so that was my first um, into insurance. And then from there, we did some really amazing stuff around Solvency 2 systems. We were the first uh, systems onto cloud technologies in insurance, and we did it the year Solvency 2 went live. That was fun, but it was amazing. And we always knew, the whole team, we just knew it would work, and we had great belief, had a great partner at the time. And then from there, just kept on more and more in the insurance. And then five or six years ago, I went to WTW to uh, for their cloud program. And moving everything from there, they've done some amazing stuff there about moving away from all the data centers and moving everything to cloud technologies. What's the, um, with regards to the kind of, um, going back to the, the not-for-profit stuff, what, what role did you kind of, what was the entry for you with regards to the type of role? Was it, did you, did you go into technical roles? I know you're, you're, you're obviously delivery and transformation now, but did you start off in, in a kind of a, a more techie role? So I started off as a trainer. Oh, what? And then I went into doing support. They're managing support teams. I've walked around with the on-call phone um, four in the morning when your telephone rings and you're like falling out of bed trying to go, just give me five minutes while you're absolutely shot, trying to like get to get to a laptop, log on and everything like that. So I came through that operational route. I think that helps me with all the transformations element of when I went into change. I moved into change. In Aviva, I had a dual role. I did all the operational side and then we changed. As we went through that change, then I sort of stuck to once I enjoyed it and I'd done my time in ops. But I think that's why I've got better insight into transformation because I've been there. I know what it's like. I know traditionally... When there was big change, everyone just threw it over at the ops guys the day before. They'll deal with it. And it's about, about getting that buy-in from people early because they're the ones who are going to have to run it. Um, it in the transformation world, we have this privilege that we're all going, oh, no, it's fun, it's shiny, and we can move forward. But actually, our roles then move on to something else. They're, they're the team, they're the important team. And it's about remembering that any transformation or change is for that that business as usual team and it has to be right for them because they're the ones at the end of the day are going to be living and breathing this for the next x amount of weeks years as as we go forward yeah yeah to- totally get that um you went in, in in kind of more operational roles evolved into into kind of project management type stuff um what 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 did you think when uh, when Aviva called you? What did you I mean? I'm sure insurance twelve years ago. Uh, it's probably just when I just probably I've been doing recruitment for insurance for a couple of years by then. It certainly looks a lot different to what it, it does now. Um, although in some places I'm sure it's probably quite similar. So what what were your thoughts and and what what did that um, what did that look like and what was the transition from a kind of not for profit to to obviously financial services insurance. So initially, so at my interview, the person interviewing me couldn't understand why I was there because I had no financial services background. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that at first, I got a lot of that, but you're not for financial services. Within a, like a few months, when I'd pulled out a couple of million of cost because I'm like, 
I come from, we look after the pennies, not the pounds. And at that point, I think a lot of the financial services were going through that transition. The, 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 I, I think it was wasteful days where people didn't really need to, there was so much money or maybe so little focus, they weren't focusing on that level. And I used to walk around with a red pen and go into a meeting with our then uh, supplier and there was a problem and I'm like, well, how do we deal with that? Oh, you need to buy more hardware. <laughs> I remember just looking at them and laughing going, I'm going to make myself a cup of tea. When I come back, can we have a solution that works, please? And they were shocked that I didn't go, oh, okay. I was like, we're not spending any more money. We're spending too much money as it is. Find me a solution. That's the last. So I think I came in with a different mindset because I'd, I, I, I remember having to, at one of my companies, a system that we knew could pull out half a million a year and it only cost £25,000 to get through that £25,000. I literally, the CEO of the non-profit, I drove so mad with business case. that This is why we had to do it, to get that. I had to fight. And suddenly I was in an organisation where someone could sign off a hundred grand without a blink of the eye. And I'm like, no, we have to go. So I think that mindset and, and that mindset has been throughout everything I've done. I would always try and make sure that everything that we do is done for the right reason. And look, change isn't cheap, sadly, but we're doing it in the most economic way to get the most bang, sort of most bang for the buck, really, and not just throwing money at stuff because that actually sometimes isn't the answer. Um, so I think culturally there was a change in insurance. Um, but also, obviously, I've gone into insurance and I come from tech, don't get me wrong, I'm very rarely not the only female in a room and stuff like that, but that really shocked me, that move into insurance. The lack of diversity was a real shock when I first walked in. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I was gonna, certainly going to ask you about that because uh, the, the last series of this podcast, um, which I know I badgered you for a while to, to be on at the, at the time, um, was... was uh, was all all about women in tech and 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 some of the stories I I um, heard there. There was a real mixed bag actually, um, and and but there was certainly some learnings taken from it. But obviously, insurance uh, is is certainly uh, better now than 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 it would have been then. Um, it, it's not perfect, and it's still a long way to go. But how did you find that? Like, what what was because you, I I guess putting myself in your shoes, you're you're going into an industry which is is quite alien um certainly from uh uh even just what they do is totally different to what you were doing before uh the culture around stuff that you just spoke about it w was totally different and, and i would imagine the culture being very male dominated and and a bit more stereotypical than than it than it say is now it, it, there's probably a lot of change there and 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 um was was it? Were there any difficult times where you kind of thought that that it was you'd made the wrong move, or like was it was it quite quite straightforward right from the off? To, to, talk to us a little bit about that. I was really lucky that the first team I worked with, it was like Innovation Central, really? and everything okay. was about making a change from the technology platform, and with that, we were making changes to the people and the culture. Um, the uh, the person who was the head of we actually came under the risk element at the time, and um, he was amazing. And John made really he he really understood and wanted to make a difference. And then in, within Aviva, within I think two years of me being there, uh, Monique came in, and suddenly we had a CIO who was a very strong female CIO who brought in started to slowly change that that diverse thought. It wasn't only getting different genders, the gender mix, and a little bit more balance. It was about getting people from different backgrounds and different industries. The head of digital at the time was someone who came from the retail industry. It was about bringing different mindsets into insurance, not doing the whole, you have to have worked in insurance for 3 million years before you can do anything, actually understanding. And I think that's some of the power that in Venonetic we have we're bringing people in from different industries and looking at how we can do that. And that has been, that I personally, I find that really great because you're getting a diversity of thought because you get people coming from going, 
not going, but we've always done it this way. You've got people going, well, that, that's great. That's legacy. But can we do it better learning from? I was talking to someone the other day who worked in the energy industry. They're regulated as, as heavily as we are. They have customers the way are, that we are. They have different problems, but a lot of it is common. So some of the ways that they've solved some of their problems, we can use that, that knowledge. So I think that's really powerful. It's that diversity of thought also from the industry as well. And that's what I found coming into the Aviva. Lots of people had only worked in one industry. And I think, again, I think it's great to have the different diversity of thought when you've worked in different industries. So I came from where we had no money, so we had to be really creative. Other people have come from real tech companies where they had to be like already on the new thing before the new thing was thought about. Do you know what I mean? That whole, and it's about how then with people with this uh, regulatory viewpoint, how you can all get this balance right that will drive you forward. But having those different viewpoints is so important. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's... Um... That 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 diversity around thinking is is huge, is it? And and I think there still is a um, a bit of a problem in the insurance space with that. Like you mean, look, in my line of work, there's there's a uh, a lot of people want insurance experience um, for 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 roles, and and I get it, I get it that for for certain positions, um, I, I still think there is uh, some snobbery around whether or not you could do the role, whether or not if if you don't have that that industry uh, experience. Um, did, did you? And you, I think you've given a perfect example there of where that that obviously was hugely beneficial from a cost saving perspective that you you obviously brought Aviva, and that naturally obviously expands onto other people. People will become more aware and stuff like that. Did you did you find were, were there many kind of hurdles in in getting people who were the more institutionalised uh, people in in the business uh, Aviva? Did, were, were there hurdles in getting them? kind of around to your way of thinking? How did how did you find that? I, th- I think we were, re- in Aviva, we've been very, uh, when I was there, we were really lucky that the the most senior leadership, and I don't think that's really changed in Aviva because obviously I keep a close eye on it. Um, I've got very good friends who are there now. They've always had an eye on the future. If you look at some of the real innovative products that have come out, a lot of the time that's from the Aviva camp about thinking differently so I think it's in their mindset and I think probably that's how if I'm looking now that's why they came to talk to someone like me because I was doing some quite cool stuff in other companies and when your profile goes up other people hear about you recruitment people hear about you they then sit there and and say um but one thing you said earlier it made me think about when we were in WTW and I do it with my team now um and the the new company in Valenetic we challenged every I'm trying to think we called it the well, I can't think of the name it was some panel people panel or something for a WTW with every job description before it was allowed to go in the mix a human from the from the team got to challenge but why you need someone with this experience but why and that's all they used to be able to say to the person was but why now sometimes it's because they're going to be running this system or they need to be able to deal with that. Yeah, tick. But we found so much that we could take out because of those but whys because actually then it all came out with, well, that's because that's what the incumbent had, but you'd still need it. And so by the time the job descriptions are coming to to your industry, you're then going, probably picking up another few going, really? But we'd filtered out that must have. We had ones, I'm going to, but like must have experience of, I think it was group where it was like an email system that hadn't been used for 20 years. But that was what was on the person, the person, well, that's the incumbent. Well, that's what I've got. That's what you need. So I think it is that challenging it. And, and I think that's one of the main things I've seen with insurance. And industries, technology as a whole, people are now questioning and going, do we do we actually need this level of experience? And when you do, you protect those roles. You make sure those roles, and then you make sure those roles are utilising that specialist knowledge they've got. You're not just bringing someone in with specialist knowledge and then going, oh, well, you're not going to use that. 
you, you nurture it, you grow it, you make sure that that's why you've brought someone in who has got experience. So if I look at the current, a lot of the current transformation we're doing, London market, I've got some people with really specific London market experience for a reason. And now the people who work really closely with the, the Lloyd's engagement partners as well and the IUA because they've got that knowledge. They're the ones that can. We held a really amazing event yesterday for what we're calling the Vanguard community, the, the forerunners, the ones who are helping us do a lot of the pre-testing. Most of that team have been working in this market for, I think someone added up the combined experience and it was hundreds of years because we need that because we're dealing with those people. However, there's other parts. Well, actually, you need people with a lot of tech. You need people with cloud experience. We're building this platform on a cloud basis. So we need people who have come from really amazing companies who have done a lot of cloud. And So it's about getting it's that diverse thought, getting the right thought balance. And I think if you open your eyes a little bit from that, you get a bit more inclusion. And from that, with some consciousness, you also get more diversity of race, background, gender, etc. And age. Like if you look around, if you ever go into the Lloyds, if specifically Lloyds, they're, they're getting more and because they're making a real conscious effort. But there's a lot of people over 50 and they're all going to, a lot of them have got final salary pensions and a lot of them are going to be wanting to retire at 60 and there will be a boom. There will be a real problem if we don't get some younger talent in. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and, and I mean, I think that but why thing is brilliant. Um, obviously, look, in my in my line of work, there, there is a, there's a lot of kind of 15 bullet point checklists for for uh, or even more. Sometimes I, I've always have been of the opinion if you if you can't narrow it down to kind of four or five absolutely key things that you really absolutely need. This it's probably there's probably too much in that job. It's too it's too it's too broad. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think there's uh, there's some there's loads of points in there that I definitely want to pick up in a, in a second. The, so so the move, the move to WTW that I think that's when then when you and I um, first got to know each other. Um, uh, I know the cloud piece of work you did there was huge, and 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 uh, would would you say that was the did was that the first role that you went into actually kind of more transformation role, or were you still doing that at Viva? Was because when did it when did it change from more operational into kind of delivery transformation focus? So at Viva we did the the first subsidy team and all the cloud stuff. Then I went in and helped set up the foundations for their cloud program and helped them get the right people in. And then I was the chief of staff, as we'd now call it, to the CIO for, uh, I think, 18 months. And that was, as I always say to anyone, if you want to go into a, a C-suite role, which I'm in now, do the chief of staff role. You learn everything. It is an amazing, an amazing opportunity. And I'm really grateful for that opportunity that I had. It's, it's probably the hardest job of any job, a chief of staff. And I've got full respect for anyone who does that job, but it teaches you everything. It really gives you the viewpoint of a business end to end. And you will do it all end to end in the same day, probably sometimes in the morning, because of the the fact of becoming and learning how to become a holder of secrets. Someone said that phrase to me the other week, and it's true. And being the holder of secrets is hard. And learning how to become a holder of secrets as you progress through your career, um, because you only become a, a greater holder of secrets as, as you progress through your career, and how you learn to deal with that from a your, your own health, mental health viewpoint, and how you work that through in your own mind, because sometimes you are not necessarily you're telling the people part of the truth that they need to know and and that that again was was interesting and then yeah a WTW was an awesome I'm really proud of what us and the team the team started with three of us they're a phenomenal team still one of the best apprentice schemes for technology there is probably in my view in the world they've had some amazing apprentices through every year they really focus and as I see the first apprentice was one of mine. I think up to four, I can I can count a little bit of glory. They've now had about 30 or 40, but I see how their careers are progressing. 
and how we brought in some grads or people, uh, second jobbers, two, three years at a different company and how just the growth of those people and it was phenomenal. That team as a whole, headed up by Stuart now, is just phenomenal, phenomenal team. But then that gave me the opportunity. So then I was approached about the role here and like Bob James from Lloyd quotes that this is probably the biggest transformation in the world at the moment. Um, I don't like to think about that too much because then you're like, well, <laughs> what we are changing what we are changing and the impact that is going to have on our on the whole of the London market is massive. It's absolutely massive. And we're really lucky with the CEO has made sure that, yeah, I've got the, the, the fun element of the transformation, but we've got an amazing team behind it. And the team for the Valenetic exec team, it's a fantastic team. Like genuinely, we've got some really amazing people in there. And with all of their expertise and how we work together and we brought in some new people to drive things forward. And yeah, it's, it's, it's an, it's an interesting time to watch how people are having to embrace the technology because if we embrace it, our markets can grow and we've got to have our expertise focusing on the right stuff, not typing in stuff or double keying or all of that stuff that needs to go now. And we need to have the brains doing the, the brain work, not the brawl. And then basically use the technology to do the brawl as much as possible. So, yeah, it, it's it's a, it's an exciting time. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm keen to get a little bit more into the Valenetic uh, role. Um, and so t- tell us a little bit about what that that what the, the pitch was, I guess, when because uh, I, I do remember speaking to you around about the time that um, I think I was in Spain, actually. And the and we definitely had a conversation about it and uh, and kind of mold it over between us. Um, and um, t- tell, tell me a little bit about what that pitch was and, 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 and really what the role entails now, because it's, a, it's obviously a big role. Um, I think most people listen to the podcast. I'm sure there's some people that uh, that aren't necessarily from the insurance sector, but most people obviously know what what Blueprint Two is at, 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 at a high level. They may not know what the what that looks like, kind of in reality. Um, there's obviously been some adaptations to it and changes and, and stuff over the, the the last kind of year or so. So it'd be good to know to, to hear a little bit more about one how you got into it, two what it is, and three how it's going. So there's a couple of different elements. So obviously we're changing the technology platform. So our technology platform at the moment is very robust, but it's quite old. Um, I'm not going to say how old because sometimes <laughs> I don't know how much is urban myth and how much, well, I do know some of the fact and you're like, it's old, it's sturdy, it will carry on working and it could carry on working for a long time. But actually where we are at the moment is there's a lot of manual intervention and the systems with all the different companies can't talk to each other. And that's what we want to do. We want to have it that all the place in the trading platforms, everything connects. So where you need the human intervention, the human intervention is there because you need expertise. Like we do a lot of um, claims handling. So you're going to need the claims handling expertise. You can't automate that out maybe in years to come. But at the moment, you need that expert. So the experts are in the right positions. So there's that element, the technology platform. So where we are at the moment with that is we're on the final, we call them program increments, PIs. Anyone who goes to any of the uh, the events will see us going on up PI. We're on the final two PIs at the moment, which is quite exciting, but very scary at the same point. The software is being tested rigorously and we've got an amazing group of customers who are being phenomenal. We call them the Vanguard uh, Vanguard customers, and they are helping us to test it because we can test it, but you obviously want them because what they will then be able to do is then when we get to the position where we will open a window for everyone to test, it will be a complete open testing window for customer testing. They can say they will have all the, uh, the information from the Vanguard participants. So actually they start with a bit of a leg up so it's really, really positive, really great, great way of doing it and a different way, very different from how um, insurance has done anything before with this bigger change. It's always been a nine-month window with everybody. Well, actually, we were like, that's not going to work on this. We need to change the mindset. 
we've built this in an agile way. And again, that was quite a different way for all the companies to work. At the moment, um, Alvaro, our chief product guy, as he says, we're building the chassis at the moment. But then over the years to come, we've got the design office all in place. So over the coming months, years, we will become more like all of these other product groups that everyone know out there. Microsoft. Microsoft has the beta testing. You can go on points. I know from from my days at WTW especially, because we were quite a leading force. When we wanted their products to develop in a certain way, you'd get this call from someone going, log on, put all your points. And everyone got, I think it was like 110 points a month. And you could put how many points you wanted to each of their area of development. And suddenly we'd be like, load them on this one so we could impact where they are. So over the years, we want to become more like that. It's not going to happen overnight in our industry because it's everyone getting used to it, but it will enable us to do that. So then on top of the technology element, we've got that us as a business. So we've, we've for the last year, since I've been there, we've always been known as the London Market um, Joint Venture. I've said that in the past because if I say that in the office, I get fined because we're not allowed to say that term anymore because we are, we are Valenetic. But we've branded it as that name. Because it's really important for people to realise that we're here for a long term, we're here for the longevity. So Velanetic will be there. In the past, people know that they were called exchanging and there was a couple of other names in the past. But as a business, we need to transform. We need to transform for a business that's ready for the digital age that we're, our platforms are moving to. But obviously, we need to make sure our people, our processes and everything around that, even our compliance Um you have different compliance elements that we're getting ready for that. And then also it's working with our amazing, a lot of them are shareholders, but also our partners. So the IUA, the Lloyd's team and the LMA, uh, Liba, gosh, I'm going to have forgotten someone, Limos, and working with them to how we support the market in this transition. Because phase one is just is the change that, they cannot fall short carry on working the way that they're working with summer adaptations as we move on to the new platform. But as we hit phase two, company on company, that's when people are going to start to really see the benefits. That's when they're going to connect all their systems in. That's where we get a lot of the end-to-end. And the aim is to have end-to-end digital. There will be some people who will never want that option. And there'll be services that they can procure that will help support them because it's they're just small in our market, in the London market, as you know. We've got some participants that are probably three people and other people are, are like the size of Aon. Do you mean So as, as we do that. So, yes, there's lots of different elements of this. And then we've also got the view of how do we actually help to change the market. When you see our floor and you must come and see it, it doesn't look. The Lloyd's Lab is quite a cool area. The Lloyd's Lab, when you walk in there, looks quite dated now compared to us. And we've done that on purpose. We are coming in and we're more in tech. We're shaking it up. And so that also has given us the opportunity. I personally wanted dance music blaring out, but I don't think we're allowed that. <laughs> um, but it is about how we make it more. You can come in and you can come and talk to us. Our office space we have a certain amount of office space that has to be behind locked doors. That is because of compliance reasons where we've got people dealing with claims and everything like that. That's obvious. But the rest of us, we sit in an open plan area. As you walk up, there's a big like coffee area and you'll see our sales teams, um, me, because you can, I, uh, a lot of my team, we all sit out there. So anyone can come and see us. We're open and we're transparent. And that's that, to me, was one of the the keys, that was one of the pitches that it was going to give me an opportunity to actually try and get more diversity of, of thought and buy that different people into the organisation and the and hopefully the wider market. Really interesting what you say there about uh, the Valenetic um, thing because I, I and, and apologies if this is a really stupid question, um, but the I, I made the assumption that when the joint venture all first came about, that that once Blueprint Two was kind of delivered, um, 
that 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 the joint venture would kind of cease to exist. Do you see what I mean? Um, so what, what what does that what does that look like kind of longer term for Bellinetic as a as a company? Um, and would they can uh, does it turn into an operational thing that they they run that still run those systems? And then there's a an ongoing continuous improvement plan. Like how, how does it work? So from the if you look at the platform element, the platform will just carry on growing. It will grow with with the global insurance market demand. Obviously, there is a point in time when. Blueprint 2 is one of the big projects that we're working on and it's probably the most important thing that the organisation will be working on at the moment. But we, as we as an organisation develop and those platforms and we develop our platforms and we link into other platforms and everything like that is to help support the insurance industry. So, no, we are just, so from a transformation element, yes, the, the the big transformation, as I you know, I always say, a transformation can only be once. You can't transform every two years. You're doing something wrong. You're transforming once, and then you evolve. One day, I will. Someone will allow me to call it a change team and evolution team at some point. I will succeed in that at some point. But yeah, we will go from the platform viewpoint. Will be evolution. It will continue to grow and grow and grow. I think in as as we talk about it, it's. One of the things that I always say is uh, Microsoft. Occasionally now, you get a box that pops up and it says, you need to click on this because we're going to update you. You click on it, you update. If you remember, you might not, but years ago, oh, God, doing a Microsoft update. Oh, yeah. there was a project. Everyone had to go around to every laptop. It was a drama. But now we just all accept and we all go, oh, look, you can now do this. Or there's another feature I learned today i've had a problem in my eyes that you can turn all your screen to be uh have black with white writing yeah. Yeah. now that has made such a difference the glare on my eye um it was brilliant i went to help type did it for brilliant it's a, but how easy that is so over year over the coming months years that would be the vision so that the software can constantly evolve however we are powered by some amazing people We've got the best expertise. So those expertise will be there to support the market, to insurance market holistically, to to push them forward and their journeys as well. So, yeah, no, they're, uh, they're very much around to stay. Um, and I think they will become a cornerstone of toppling the global insurance market over the next few years. That's my personal opinion. But they are um, they're the software that's been delivered is is a great pieces of software um and what the ability it has to do yeah yeah it's really interesting it's interesting you say about microsoft i was talking to my niece the other day uh and uh she's i don't know how she is nine maybe um she couldn't believe that when you used to update words you used to have to go to the shop every year and buy a cd that you put in you put into your machine and, and and it would update it and you'd be wowed by the different changes and fonts and all this kind of stuff and now it updates probably daily um and you don't even know about it so um yeah it's 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 showing my age i suppose a bit as a well, it was fonts if you wanted a different font it used to arrive on a cd i think or all of this stuff it's yeah. it, it's just with technology is changing so fast but our our ability to adapt to that i think has changed is changing so i think that's what's really interesting and i remember from my first years in technology i said i started as a trainer i trained people on how to use microsoft oh geez i look now and i'm like it was hard and nowadays do you know what i mean like people just get it microsoft training may exist somewhere it genuinely man i apologize for every single microsoft trainer but i haven't being on Microsoft training, I'll get frustrated and someone or I'll find something on LinkedIn that will yeah. show you a video of how to do something in Excel. Oh, oh, I love them. I watch them and I'm like, that's just saved me like half my life. But you wouldn't think of going on a Microsoft course anymore where in even 10 years ago, everyone had to go through the training. And so it's just how we've adapted. Probably our mobile phones have changed us because we just adapt and you, you just work it out. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I mean, I think YouTubers are the are the new trainers, aren't they? They're like the people who do YouTube videos and stuff like that. But uh, I always remember reading Steve Jobs' book actually, and 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 it, and it was the first time it it, it dawned on me that because the whole thing with an iPhone was they wanted to make it so 
easy to use that it didn't need an instruction manual and and it's so true is it like 99 percent of what you can do on an iphone you just it's just intuitive you figure it out and um and 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 you mean like i say there's 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 kind of 90 year olds using iphones and they seem to have adapted so it's it, it shows how it, how how it can be done but um this is a huge question and i'm sure there's loads but Given that you're probably working in, in certainly in the insurance space, that that one of the company's stroke roles that probably has had some of the biggest challenges, um, that some are very well documented, and actually that might even be one. The fact that everything is documented and very public. Um, but what what have you found over the last couple of years, has or last year or so, that have been the the really kind of biggest kind of ugly challenges that you've had to you've had to endure, and 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 how did you get past them? I think, as you say, a lot of what we do is in the very public eye, and that's conscious. We every quarter we have very public events. Uh, I think there was four, five hundred people at the last one, and we were now one of the new venues in. The good thing is we get to see all the nice, really amazing venue spaces that are on hire because every time we've gone to a different one. At the beginning, I think one of the key things that when I got there, there was the fact that there was no date. In July this year, we stood up and Chris Halbard, our CEO, and stood up and said it will be July 24. And there was a sort of a gasp, not a gasp. And that got rid of the apathy. And I think that has been the key. People now know this is happening. I do think a lot of people thought this would never happen because of history. Well, they tried it before and they reel off 20 different projects that didn't fail, that, that didn't, didn't work or failed. Well, yeah. This is different. Um, I think the the way all the teams are working together, as we have this whole thing about one team, but the way everyone is working as a team, not just from the individual companies, because everyone is at the end of the day from individual companies and they have different pay slips. Bob James, when I first met him, said he had this vision that you'd walk, you could walk in, and you wouldn't know who was working for what company. Be that a consultancy, be that as we are now, Valenetic, be that Lloyd's, be that LMA. And I think we're getting there on that. We're really nearly there. But we spend a lot of time and effort on that to make sure that we're, we're all working in the same direction. So I think that's probably the, I think, the date. And I think one of the good things we've done is we've brought in people, as we were talking earlier about people with different diverse thoughts. So people who have worked with the biggest biggest financial institutions on banking to change them well we can learn a lot and they get the regulated probably more a little bit more regulated in some areas so bringing in those different diverse things so that we've got that different groundbreaking mentality so i think that's what a lot of what we've done is the people have been the challenge getting the right people in but also laying it down and that transparency of saying to people this is happening on this date this is what you will need to do so if anyone goes onto the Valonetic site there's a blueprint to element of it you'll see there's the adoption workbook that will tell you what you've got to do what you've got to be ready about how you've got to be ready and the team that are there to support you there's an amazing team that is uh joint Valonetic and joint Lloyd's which I think there's an LMA person in there as well uh, who the engagement team they're phenomenal they're out and there's these things called the EC groups, and it's not to do with the postcode, it's engagement communities. That confused me at first when I was like, why are they? Well, I was first introduced to EC3. I'm like, I thought, obviously, because of the postcode, but it isn't. And, but they are out all every month having real in-depth meetings with every with all the companies and saying to them, are you ready? What do you need to do? And they do a lot of surveys so that we can judge where people are on that journey. Now we've got the space our new area we're holding a lot more workshops yesterday there was a great one we're looking at every week getting different people in we've now got this real collaborative space with oh, everything from interactive whiteboards which are phenomenal we've even got one of those it looks like they're using the tv one of the table ones where you can have people it looks like an air hockey table which I shouldn't really say but it does and everyone can stand around it but then you can sort of draw together and plan it and work out how you can do that and we're trying to look at different ways to, to help all the companies with their adoption because we've got the expertise so let's let's all work together and if we work as a one 
we're actually going to make a difference instead of everyone traditionally working in quite silos. So if you look at who's on the Vanguard group and if you look on the website, you see you've got some big competitors sitting there talking about how they can work together to move the industry forward. The Data Council was a really good, if, if the Data Council meeting, Sheila always starts with reminding everyone that we are doing this for the good of the industry, not our individual companies. And everyone goes, yeah. And that, then I, I think is all of those little bits are helping us get there. Yeah, that's 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 amazing, um, and and I think that's that's almost like utopia, is it? When you get to that point, and 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 you can really get people to do that, it certainly sounds like a and 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 look, kudos where it's uh, where it's due. I, I I you mean from an external perspective, certainly everything I've seen in the press and just that you guys have posted um, in in the last uh, certainly the, probably this year, I would say my perception is there's been a shift change in in, in how things are going and 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 more so actually i'll speak to a lot of people that are in the industry that that there's a mindset shift now and because i totally agree with you i think a lot of people thought you'd probably be flip of a coin whether people actually thought it would happen uh when it first kicked off kind of when it was 21 22 and certainly now i think everybody is 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 seems way more positive about it so uh it's it's definitely turned a real corner i think in the the last year obviously the the next kind of nine months are, are, are massive right but um well i could i'm fascinated by I could talk to you about it for for hours, but I, what I'm always really interested. Look, look, lots of the people that listen to this podcast will be will be peers, uh, kind of CIOs, those types of people. There, there are also a lot of people that are are kind of on the journey. Do you, do you see what I mean? Like from coming coming up, they've got ambitions to get to that point or do similar roles that you've been doing. Um, what 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 are the what are the kind of two or three really key bits of advice that you would either give to people you've been given over the years that that you would kind of like to to project to the world to pay back to someone else who maybe is uh is looking to do the same one of the best bits of advice i was ever given was grab every opportunity that you can some of them are going to be duds like some of them you'll be like well, why on earth did i volunteer for this but a lot of them won't so i always advise people to do that now i'm not talking about going arranging the christmas party because that normally tends to be on the females to do that point yeah. <laughs> all men listening to this be the one to volunteer but i mean like different opportunities so for me it was when someone was off on long-term sick and i went i'll do that job i read a lot every weekend and those were in the days where you couldn't get tech books on on kindle so you had a book about that big and <laughs> yeah, yeah. i know that i'll learn at the weekend so it was like stuff like that but for me i think it's if you make a mistake declare it quickly because anything can be fixed if you declare but also find your tribe now you, you might have multiple tribes so i i have i've got a really close group of people who work in technology they have been a real sounding board for me um i've got within my organization a really great Chris Halbert's putting in a really great, I think under his leadership and how he manages and he leads the organisation and his team. But there's a tribe there that you can sit there and go and you don't feel like you're not exposed. You're going, mm, could I, what about, and that sort of element. But then also I think for your career element, have, have the group of people who are the people where you say, someone's contacted me about a role but I don't think I'm good enough or go shut up go for it what's the worst that can happen and as you progress through the years as well you get relationships with people like you Mark as as we said I spoke through with you about whether to take this role on you didn't find this role for me you didn't place me but I know that I can use your advice is really a part of my inner counsel when I needed that do you think this is right? What about this? Looking at the opportunities and stuff like that. So I think as well, it's like building those experts and not being scared to ask someone. That Like genuinely, um, I tell all my, I, I, I do a lot of mentoring within the industry, outside of the industry. Very few people will turn down an opportunity to tell you about their careers. If you want a mentor session or you want some advice, message someone and say, I wonder if you could help me. Can I have 15 minutes? And always do random amounts. People 
for some reason that works well, but 15, four to five minutes of your time to help to talk to me about this. I've got this problem, but I'd really like to understand some with your experience, your perspective of it. Very few people will say no. They might say you've only got five minutes, but then you, you then you pre-pitch, practice low, and then you do that. So ask for help, but also build those networks because that's what will be your help. But also sometimes you need someone to tell you to get over yourself. And if you've got the right little tribe behind you, and I have an amazing group, I have two really good female groups. They tell me to get over myself or when I'm anything, they're like, get a whip, you can do this. What about this? Don't be doing that. Or And, and I do the same for them. I had, like, I mean, like, last night I was talking to someone and she's like, and I'm like, yeah, but what about this? And she's like, yeah. And she said, and you've got to do that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. People are challenging. Yeah. And, and also sometimes one of my dear, amazing, just amazing woman, Shannon, she always talks about eating your spinach. She doesn't like eating spinach. This is where it comes about. Other people say you have to eat the frog. That's a bit revolting. But sometimes you just got to eat your spinach. You've just got to get on. You don't want to do it. Do it first thing in the morning. Eat the spinach. Get on with it. And I think, again, that's a good thing to remember because sometimes you've got to do stuff you don't want to do. Just suck it up. Get on with it. Get it out of the way. Then you can do what you need because occasionally that's just life. Yeah, amazing. Brilliant. Eat the spinach. Definitely, I'm going to remember. I'm going to reuse that. Right, so we're coming to the end of the, the, the podcast now. As you will never all know, if uh, if they've listened before, I'd always like to uh, to end with some kind of standard questions and then uh, a, a little bit of a, a quick fire round just for a bit of fun at the end. Um, so the, the first one is, what, what is it you love about the insurance uh, tech space and uh, and why have you stayed working in it? Just possibility. There's so much possibility in this market. Nobody's ever said that, actually. Do you mean like is in with regards to kind of what, from a transformation perspective, like what where it can go? Yeah, everything. Where the people can go, where every element is, is possible. It's just apathy would be the only thing that could stop you changing anything. The regulators are great. You can work with the regulators. We can move this market to wherever we, as a collective, want it to. It's just a possibility. Amazing. Great. The next one is, what's the best thing about being behind your desk right now? My team. My team are amazing. It is the best. Shouldn't say that to a recruitment person, should I? Right? <laughs> <laughs> the best. I should definitely. Don't worry. You've told me you're in your inner circle now. You flattered yeah. me. So I, I'm, I, 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 you've got no risk. But it's uh, it's just the most diverse, talented team I've ever had. Some people I've worked with before got some real, like with one person I've this is our fourth company we've worked together with. Yeah, yeah he was uh, probably one of my early, somewhere role model mentor. He was amazing. And uh, yeah, he still is phenomenal. Um, and the talent that he brings through, the young talent that he's bringing through is amazing. Like really, really, really amazing. So yeah, so my team, I've just, I'm just privileged to get to work with them all every day and what they achieve and their enthusiasm, their passion. And even if you feel a bit grumpy, you can talk to one of them for about 30 seconds and then you're up because you're like, they get it. They they just are, yeah, phenomenal. Great. Right, so then some quick fire questions. So the first one is, what is your favourite piece of technology and why? I hate to say it, and it is my phone. But randomly, I've changed from Apple. I left Apple and I'm now on Samsung. Oh wow! Okay, talk yeah, us through that. That's why. that's rare. That's rare. That's rare, right? I like the little flip phone. I'd like to say it was something really cool and different, but I had to have a week without my phone, and it's amazing how much you. you what's what's this? Look on one note. Oh, I can't because I can't look at my phone. What's we were watching? Well, I was listening to an Audible book through. Like my husband had to turn. I had, did that through Alexa, and I wanted to look something up. And I thought, oh, no, I can't just go to my phone and Google it and see. No. Do, do, no, it's sort of stuff like that. So it is my phone. But, yes, I have made the change. And, actually, it, it's okay. I've managed it quite well. So, uh, yeah, and I was worried. Okay, cool. Um, the second one is which brand or company do you really admire and why? So it's actually not a tech company. 
okay. um, and although they use technology a lot. Um, if anyone has wine boxes, I really like naked wines because they've really kept to their ethos of local producers and finding, not going to the, the big markets, finding the little, the niche. And I like that way of working. And they all came, the people who formed it all came from big companies that were doing the big, and they wanted to be different. And I think we've been using them for about 10, 12 years, and they've never changed that ethos. They still, you see, I don't know, Mildred, the Italian winemaker, who's been in the family for three, like the vineyard's been in the family for 300 years, and you get to see a video of her talking about that. Do you mean, and I like that. So for me, it's, doing it differently and i quite like the way they've done that yeah amazing your uh, favorite business related book okay i'm gonna have a few here so at the moment i'm reading i don't know if you've heard of oh how do i say his name uh thomas chamorro per music he wrote the uh, why do so many men become incompetent leaders right he's, he's written a new book called i human and it's about artificial intelligence as we are now and he's talking a lot about everyone's thinking about AI in the future. We're in that age now. And it's really interesting, his perspective on it. And he's a psychologist. And it's very well researched. So that's really, really, really good. Listen. I'm listening to it because I'm on Audible at my own. But The Wolf in CIO Clothing by Tina Nuno, N-U-N-N-O. That's a great book written by Gartner, especially this is a really, really, really good book to read. I really enjoyed that. Then also The Authority Gap by Mary Ann Sagar. That's very fascinating. All men should read that book. But also another one, and that's my final one, my favourite other one is, uh, have you ever read The Brain at Work by David Rock? That's a fascinating one, audible it, because he talks about scenarios and they, they have it read out. And then it's about where do, if you used your brain more, as in you utilised how your brain worked more and you did that same scenario in a different way, how it would play out differently. So it's everything from when you come home, you're tired, you're fed up, the kids come in and say, can we play? And you go, not now. It's about actually how do you get your brain in the car or in the commute or even if I work at the bottom of the garden, from the garden to the house to the, of course, yeah. Because otherwise you've set the so it's really it's cool how they do it because they talk about the science and then they replay the scene and it's it's a really clever so I think that one I'd audible that one more than read it just because when you listen well for me it, it came in but that's a really good book as well. Uh, it's interesting actually um, the podcast that I recorded last week with Graham Howard used to be the CIO at Cavea he um, he was telling me actually about neuro, neuro linguistic programming, which sounds like it's not not a million miles away from that. And uh, I'm certainly uh, looking into a little bit of that at the moment um, for for some stuff we we spoke about it for a good twenty minutes. Actually, I wish I recorded it as part of the podcast, but we recorded we spoke about it afterwards. But but yeah, so okay, great. Last couple then. Favorite TV um, series or film? At the moment, I'm watching The Morning Show. Um, oh yeah, we're watching it. Two Man really like it, and I really, really love Reese Witherspoon for what she's done in that industry. Yeah, the, the, it's it's clever, it's smart. I quite like that. Amazing. If you weren't a technology leader, what would you have ended up being? If I could be anything, I'd be yeah, like traveller, like going around the world, just travelling. That's my like a travel blogger. They've got good. Yeah. Life. I don't even care about the blogging. Just <laughs> me doing that. Just traveling. I have we we have an RV, and my husband says no way. But I have this whole dream that I'm going to drive to Australia. It's slightly impossible. There's a few too many war zones to go through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah to to traveling. That's my that's my thing. That's what I love doing. Amazing. And then the last question: Who's your number one role model or person you admire? So I've got a, obviously home. Non-famous, there's yep. quite a few. Starting from my grandmother to some really amazing friends. People that people would know. So life or t industry, the world industry, probably Reese Witherspoon for what she's done. If anyone reads up about her company and how yeah. she's transformed, that is amazing. I think Inga Bill really has smashed through a lot of ceilings in the insurance and dealt with it. And then also I think people like Sophie Neary from Meta She's doing that slightly different, and that's a very 
strange organization to work for, but her honesty and her transparency and her authenticity is really interesting. So yeah, lots of different people, really. Amazing. Yeah, some great ones there. Right, well, look, that brings us to the end. So, Furt, thank you so much for your t- uh, the time. I know it's really busy time for you at the, at the moment, um, and I have been badgering you to come on this podcast for what seems like forever. It's probably been a year. So uh, thanks for making some time for us. There, I'm sure there'll be people that want to connect with you, reach out and stuff like that uh, off the back of this. Is LinkedIn the best place, and are you happy for people to, to kind of reach out, come and see you in the in the, in yeah, the Lord's um, fourth floor? Reach out at LinkedIn. I tend to be in... Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in London. A little bit different at the moment because of my eye. It's bright. Um, but once I get that fixed. But yeah, just ping me. And if anyone wants to do a tour of the new building, just ping me and I'll make sure the right person's there to take you around the new building, new floor. Or just pop up and have a cup of tea. Got a very nice coffee machine. Yeah, cool. Definitely. It's on my list of things to do. So, uh, well, look, you mean, thank you again. Look, it's been a, a bit of pleasure. Everybody, thanks for listening. Um, plenty more come, to come in um, with this series. I've got some amazing guests, just like Karen, uh, lined up for the rest of the series. So keep listening, and uh, we'll be back again next week. Karen, see you later. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Desk with me, Mark Thomas. If you like the episode, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, like in a comment and even better please share with your friends and colleagues if you have any suggestions for future guests or other areas you'd like me to explore it would be great to hear them behind the desk is powered by eames consulting part of the eames group you can find out more about us at eamesconsulting.com thanks again for listening i look forward to catching up with you again next time